0: Cottle Director of Nature Alliance School, Casey Deming, is a strapping young renaissance man in the bushcraft world. Georgia Bushcraft, Bushcraft Coffee, and the Griffin Pocket Tool are all companies that he is heavily focused on with hard work and determination. Georgia Bushcraft in particular provides a venue for learning and inspiration in wilderness and survival education. They host several classes and campouts throughout the year. And today, I'm going to interview Casey about the past, present, and future of this great organization, his Griffin Pocket Tool, and Bushcraft Coffee. So get a hot mug of goodness yourself and listen in. Casey, welcome to the show.
1: Afternoon, Craig. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Yeah, man. It's good to have you on here. Uh, So we've uh, chatted a few times here and there and met one another a couple times here and there. and. I'm very thankful that you took the time out of your, what, vacation time, it sounds like, to come on and talk to us?
1: Uh, Anytime that I'm not planning a gathering is a vacation. Yeah, (laughs) good. At least until the first of the year. And then 2022 is going to be a rocket. So I'm I'm just preparing myself mentally for it.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, tell everybody, if you don't care about, Who you are in particular? We'll talk about Georgia Bushcraft in a minute and and what you're planning. But talk about yourself and how you got to where we are now, and why are me and you talking? I guess.
1: Okay, yeah, man. Um, so, long story short, uh, I started working in the outdoor industry about a little over a decade and a half ago. I worked for a company called Going Gear, and they were uh they were located in right outside of Atlanta. Uh, It was mostly e-commerce outdoor store, but we had a storefront and. And, uh, and so I was, I was their first employee, uh, when they opened their store, you know, I, I got more and more into the outdoors. I was, I mean, I grew up camping, I grew up doing outdoors and things and I always loved it, but, you know, having the opportunity to actually like work one-on-one and within the industry, you learn a lot more that way. And so that, that's how I started. I, I, my original background, uh, what I went to college for, whatever that means, um, is graphic design and marketing. I like entertaining people and I love the outdoors, but, you know, I like craft design and and uh, and, and all that, that that goes with it. So uh, so that's my background. But started working retail and really liked that and, and fell in love with the industry. And so so that's kind of how I started. And so how Georgia Bushcraft falls into that, um, if you want to go down that road. Uh, so back in 2011, uh, we hosted uh, Dave Canterbury down on our property here through the store we work for, and so the alumni that took this class after the fact kind of banded in together, and so January 2012 uh, we started. Really, Bill McGee uh, started the Facebook group Georgia Bushcraft, and so um, it was just basically the the guys from the class all wanted to kind of get together and keep you know the the, the knowledge and learning going, and and just having other people to you know, who, who were into this industry and, and into the things bushcraft and outdoors to kind of get together.
0: Hey, Casey, those guys that are there, you're saying these guys that came to Canterbury's class, were they all people from Georgia or had they come from all over the states?
1: Mostly and... from the southeast. So so Dave, you know, his class is you know, up in Ohio and from Ohio to Atlanta. You know, that's a good probably 10, 12 hour drive. It's It's a pretty significant drive where he's at. And so a lot of these folks uh, were customers. Every single one of them was a customer of ours from the store. And about the same time, too, is when dual survival, he was kind of uh, trailing off of that. So he had been around for a while, um, you know, big on YouTube and everything. And so these people coming into the store knew, knew who he was and wanted to take his class, but really just weren't committed enough to drive all the way up there. So, so that's kind of how we got him to come down is basically we had enough people to. To sign up and take the class, and we hosted it here uh, on my wife's family's property here, where the Georgia Bushcraft uh, property is. And so, um, and so, they were just regular old customers, and a lot of them became, you know, lifelong friends. A lot of them are still part of Georgia Bushcraft today, which is awesome. It's a really big testament for our community. We have, we have such a good group of people. But uh, but yeah, so so we took this class, and then the, the the folks, like I said, you know, kind of banded together and as people would come in the store and buy knives and EDC gear and camping gear from me, you know, we'd all, you know, fantasize about going camping and wanting places to go and, and, but none of us, none of us really had a lot of people to go with. And so that's kind of how this Facebook group kind of, kind of kept going is you want to go camping? Heck yeah. All right. Well, we all want to go. Let's test out this new gear. And that's how I got into doing like some product reviews. I started a YouTube channel back then. It was called coyote mountain outdoors. And so I would do like product reviews and, uh, I made my first quasi business. I made Kydex posters. So is that
0: YouTube channel still going or is everything separated into the Georgia Bushcraft? Uh, I, I
1: migrated it over to Georgia Bushcraft. And so we don't have a lot of subs, maybe three, 4,000 subscribers on there. Uh, I, I don't do much with it right now, but that hopefully will change it this year. That's one of my goals. But yeah, so the group, we had our first quote unquote gathering. There was like 12 of us, <laughs> you know. Camping like a bunch of uh, uh, homeless people out under blue tarps Because every time we did any sort of event, it would always rain out here. And so we'd get out there and we'd hang these blue tarps. It was a ridiculous, man. But it was great. It, and that was the beginning of Georgia Bushcraft.
0: Okay, fantastic. And now Georgia Bushcraft, the, the latest, just for those that are not familiar, the latest Georgia Bushcraft gathering had how many people?
1: We had a little over 500 people, which was, which was definitely our largest event uh, to date. And uh, and 2022, this is will be our tenth year officially. This was our tenth gathering technically last year. To call some of our previous like get-togethers, gatherings, but this is our actual ten-year anniversary this year, and that's one thing I'm really excited about. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned, and and want to do it bigger than ever this year.
0: So tell everybody what happens at a gathering.
1: So basically, what it is is Georgia Bushcraft. We're, we're not a school. We're and and this has been something I've been trying to really, you know my finger on exactly what georgia bushcraft is because i get the question all the time what the heck you know and uh we're not a school we're an outdoor education center basically we facilitate an environment for instructors like yourself Craig, or uh other tradesmen other other people who are you know experienced in certain industries whatever it may be and we provide this environment where they can come out and teach Um, we find the people who want to come and learn and have them, you know, host them out on the property, um, and also have, you know, vendors, different artists, and things like that. So that's kind of what the gathering is. It's like a, it's like a sampler plate for a bunch of different survival schools and different, you know, blacksmiths, falconers, outdoor living skills, homesteading, any sort of like topic that's sort of under the umbrella of outdoor related. It's kind of what it is. And so so people will come out to the gathering, um, they'll camp all weekend. It it, it will typically run Friday uh, through Sunday. And uh, we'll have classes going on back to back to back all weekend. We had, I think I counted, we had over 100 different classes going on. There were some duplicates within there. um, But in order to facilitate everybody and the, the opportunities to get as many people to learn, uh, we have to have overlap.
0: So uh, how long do um, most of those classes lasting at the gathering?
1: Usually between one and three hours. We, we have a couple different types, really three different types of learning opportunities during gathering. Um, so our like general class topics, those are usually about an hour, and that's kind of a a talk, more or less like a discussion. You'll have an instructor or somebody uh, sitting up there talking about a certain skill, or whatever it may be. Uh, And again, those are about an hour long. And then we have what we call extended workshops. So for instance, um, Lee at Old Town Cutlery, he did a uh, puko making class. So it's a knife making class. It Usually they're additionally, they're they're a little bit more money to take those extended workshop classes, but the money goes directly towards material costs. Um, So Carly Fairchild from Malone uh She's taught several classes, extended workshops for us. And so she's done a, a like a basket making class. So each year she would do a different type of basket and maybe $20 and you get to sit in this, however long, you know, several hour, um, extended workshop and you get to make a basket with Carly or a knife with Lee. Uh, Jamie Burleigh did a, uh, a rawhide leather sheath class at this past gathering, um, so many different things. So, so, that's the other the other opportunity. So it's the regular you have the regular classes. Then ninety percent of those there's no there's no cost. It's all included with the cost of the event. It's hundred bucks to come for the weekend. That includes camping and the majority of the classes. Then you have the extended workshop classes that cost a little bit more, but you end up going home with something. Uh, and then we have other little demos and different things that are happening all throughout the weekend that aren't even on the schedule. So we had we had over forty different vendors um, and artists out there in the field here too throughout the weekend. And so so that everybody's selling their wares and has that all going on. Uh, but we'll have like impromptu classes happening throughout the weekend. It's an incredible learning opportunity for people, um, just to, from anybody who's never camped before. And, and based on our survey that we've we've gotten back so far, that's a fair majority of the people that go to our events have never even experienced the outdoors. This is like their trial run, which is awesome because it's all new folks for us.
0: Um, it's good to know for you. So, you know, for planning, what kind of things people need to hear or see, I mean, advanced topics might not be the greatest thing for a group like that.
1: And that's one thing we're learning is, you know, we definitely sprinkle in some a little bit more advanced topics. Um, you know, maybe if it's, I say advanced, but like, you know, primitive fire starting. Bow drills, hand drills, those type of things. Yeah, you know, for a lot of us who've been in the industry for a long time, we're used to that kind of stuff. But you know, mom and dad who have never camped before, or whoever it may be, they don't even know what a fair rod is. So you got to kind of start with the basics as well. It's really good for all walks of life, and that's what's really nice about this community. It it was a great event; it was our best we've ever had, and uh, I'm really looking forward to what we got this year coming
0: up. And you say people camp there? Are people coming in in with tents, hammocks, tarps, real primitive campers, oh, trucks? What 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 are people doing there?
1: D all of the above, man. Um, so we've got we've got plenty of wood space uh, for the hammock campers, like you know, so like myself, or you know, primitive setup if you want to, uh, all the way to RV car, uh, parking. We we had uh, we had so many requests this year for RV and camper parking. <laughs> Which is awesome, you know, more power to them, but we had to figure out where to put them. You know, I mean, we, we have a, a fairly good sized field, but man, that thing filled up really quick. So one thing new we did this year is we kind of sectioned off an area, a nice flat area, because you never know it's going to rain in Georgia to put these big old RVs out there. It was great. It was so nice to see it. a totally different walk of life. You know, a lot of the folks that, that, that come out, you know, they may need a CPAP or whatever, you know, they, they need, need those luxuries and, It just, it opens it
0: up for everybody. That's fantastic. And where are you located in Georgia?
1: So we're about an hour, hour and a half east of Atlanta. We're sort of between Atlanta and Athens,
0: Georgia. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable Jetboil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. So for people that, I mean, to take it even a step further, somebody that wanted to come in for the gathering that wanted to stay in a hotel, mm-hmm. they could stay in a hotel and then come out there during the day and do stuff too, correct?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we actually, we had a several, uh, we had several folks do that. And we have a lot of local people too, which is great. Uh, we've never had that before. Most of the people that that come to our events found us on Instagram or Facebook. Where we're located is kind of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, not really, but still Atlanta. Um, but uh, but now we're starting to get a little bit larger local local group who have always been in the bushcraft, but never really knew that this existed. So that's a really nice nice new feature for us. But well yeah, no we we've got local plenty of local hotels. We're actually um, we're building out the property right now. Uh, have you ever heard of Hip Camp?
0: I have, yeah.
1: Hip Camp is awesome, and I'm a huge fan of this. So it's basically for for those that are listening who have no idea what that is. It's uh, like Airbnb for camp.
0: Right. So where I w- when I was down there with you guys, the the wooded area off to the side of where my truck was was that yeah. where that is located? Because I didn't walk yes. over there to see what all that was. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, so so basically in the woods, like so we have, I would say about a half the property is, is big open field, and the other half uh, is pretty densely, you know, eastern woodland, and uh, and so we have a base camp that's set up. That's where we originally started doing our classes with the blue tarps and everything, and uh, and so we've since gotten rid of the blue tarps uh, hanging around, and uh, but it's, so it's a little more sophisticated now, a little bit, but um, but back so you've there, got it got
0: more set up i mean there's like a more um i don't know there's an area specifically for people to come in and set up their own tents for hip camping or how's yep. that word you have that stuff set up for them
1: yep so so right now the way it's set up is we have technically one big site it's called base camp you can find us uh georgia bushcraft on hip camp or uh beechwood farms it's our other like fancy name for <laughs> the property but, um,
0: and I'll make sure too, Casey, I'll, I'll put the links for everything in the description for everybody that's listening. Everything that Casey's talking about, I'll have links below so you can just click and go awesome, right to it. Awesome, man.
1: I appreciate that. Um, so so basically, yeah, it's, it's a big open area, big fire pit. Uh, we have a lean-to structure. You know, that's about 14 by 12 foot. So you can, you know, park a tent or hang on in there if it's raining. We've got a kitchen area set up. Um, we have primitive shower stalls that we built a little bit further down the trail, but the, the more recent thing is we actually started working on it this week. Uh, we're clearing more site areas. And so I'm going to be building these, uh, I plan to build these platforms that will have our, uh, we, we bought some canvas bell tents, you know, the, the glamping, the, the, the new hotness of glamping, whatever that is.
0: So you're going to set beds and everything up for we'll folks We'll see in there. how far
1: we go there. <laughs>
0: man, I see some of that stuff and I'm like, you know, that's, that's glamping, but I kind of dig it. It's man.
1: It's it's different. It's something like my parents would do. And, and it's like some of them, people like they, they've got them set up, you know, that require electricity, but they've got like air conditioning units that they pipe into there. And uh, I don't know if we're going to go that far, Um, but really the idea is just to to set up these big tents. And then so people, if they want to bring cots, you know, or or other uh, creature comforts, it's, you know, taking the step out of having to bring your own tent, but also being able to camp in something. How many people have camped in a campus tent? Not many people, you know, unless unless you're into that, you know, kind of uh, uh, classic camping kind of style.
0: Man, I am all about meeting people wherever they are. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if they've never done it, if they get out for the first time and spend the night outside, then I'm all about it, man. I don't care. I don't have to make a, you know, it doesn't have to be a survival uh, I'm not going to eat for four days. Event every time we go out in the woods. As fun as
1: that is, uh, you're right. <laughs> that's not something I want to do all yeah, the time. I
0: mean, Come on, <laughs> no man.
1: But it's it's really good for for the younger generation, you know. And that's one big thing that we're really trying to push with Georgia Bushcraft. You know, we ha- I have a six year old daughter and a two year old daughter, and uh, I feel like after the the mess of two twenty twenty and and COVID and all that jazz, it's really taken a toll. And I don't know if we know it yet or not, but on that younger generation, I don't know. I struggle with with uh, certain things about it, but I I really want to provide an opportunity for everybody to get out and learn and 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 bring back the skills and things that people were doing, you know, 50 or 100 years ago. That was really a normal day to day thing, you know, and uh, and just keeping those skills going and, and not forgotten about. Um, but also, you know, instilling a prepared mindset in them. And I mean, there's, there's so much to it, but, but facilitating an environment that is inviting, it's safe, it's fun. Like, that's what we're all about and keep keeping that ball rolling with our next generation. Cause that's, that's all we have, you know?
0: So are you and your wife uh, primarily clearing this property and doing all that stuff? Or do you have other help that comes in and helps you do that? So sort of thing, we, or?
1: we started doing it mostly with us and then, um, Luckily, one of our neighbors who we we had just built our house uh three or four years ago uh happens to have a grading business and that really helps with excavators and his steers <laughs> but but we do have we have such a good community of folks we do these things called work weekends and usually before a gathering or a big event um we'll do a work weekend and so people will volunteer their time and they'll come down we'll camp out and basically everybody brings chainsaws and tools and we just get Cutting and uh, and it's great, man, because I mean, more hands makes for lighter work, it's impossible to do this all alone. Um, and uh, so I'm very grateful and very thankful for for our awesome group of people who have helped us to this point, uh, and continue to offer their help and, and
0: support. Um, so you have, other than the gathering, you have like a, is it like a trade blanket weekend too? I mean, you mentioned the courses and the gathering. What about the trade blanket? How does that work?
1: Back in the early days of Georgia Bushcraft, we used to do two gatherings here. We did a spring and a fall. And um, it, it was too much work for me. I, I have, as of right now, we haven't, I have no employees. Uh, everybody's either volunteer based or just helps out whenever they can kind of thing. And so the majority of what you see planned with Georgia Bushcraft, it, it's what I'm having to do, which is awesome. And I love it, but it was too much doing two a year between scheduling, you know, 30, 40 different instructors and vendors. And and so we came up with this idea of let's still get together because everybody loves, you know, it's like a family reunion with a lot of our folks. So let's still get together, but let's do it a little bit less organized. And well, why don't we just do like a big trade blanket? So we started to call it the trade weekend and Kind of how I describe it to people who have no idea what that would mean. Uh, it's like a bushcraft flea market. You know, everybody just brings their gear, and uh, it's twenty five dollars a person for the weekend. That includes to come camp, and you basically get a parking lot size area, and you set up whatever you want to bring. And if you don't want to buy or, or sell or any of that, you don't have to. Everybody cooks, you know, delicious food, and we still do like impromptu classes and things. But there's no schedule. It's just fun. And that's, it's all about the community and keeping people like, you're just having a good time with it. And so we usually do those in the spring. Tentatively, our dates are going to be probably mid to late April, um, depending on other competing events that may be around the country at the same time. Uh, That's what we're trying to figure out right now. But that that will happen this spring.
0: And I should have asked you, do you have a date set for the fall? So it's going to
1: be the first weekend of November. We've kind of uh, solidified that. Um because October's usually a madhouse uh with events throughout this this bushcraft kind of industry. And so so right now our dates for twenty twenty two uh will be November fourth through the sixth. Happens to fall on uh, daylight savings time too, which is nice. So we actually end up saving a little bit of time. And and Georgia, that's nice that time of year too. Uh
0: another thing that you do is Griffin Tools. Yes. Correct? Yep. Is that something you design, Tell it us is. about so
1: that. um so Griffin Pocket Tool uh, started this May will be seven years. Uh, I was working for the outdoor retailer and um, I really just hit a point where my, my wife, Jessica, she was pregnant, seven months pregnant with our, uh, our first daughter. I kind of decided that I didn't want to work for anybody else anymore. And I had a lot of friends who had really successful Kickstarters. Um, and if you don't know who Kickstarter is, it's a crowdfunding website. Put an idea up there. And it's more or less pre-orders, basically. So so I set up this uh <laughs> it's a fun fun story, but I'll I'll keep it short. I set this campaign up and um had to choose between my job and doing this. And it was a conflict of interest from for the previous employer, so he believed. He wanted to buy it, the idea from me and all this, and and so I decided just I wanted to go with it. And so long story short, that was my last day and uh and we drove north to North Carolina. And so on the whole way there, I called everybody I knew uh, from all my contacts from, from working at that store and said, look, we're going to launch this Kickstarter. And uh, we ended up launching it the next day. And 30 days later, we raised about $30,000, which was awesome uh, to, get this, uh, to get this new product going. So for those of you who don't know who what Griffin Pocket Tool is, so it's a keychain multi, multi-tool that I designed. There's no moving parts, at least on the original one. It's basically like a a hook that you would hold your keys on to a belt loop, but with a bunch of other little features on it too. You get a bottle opener, six different wrenches, Phillips head screwdriver, or scoring tool on the original, pry tool, flathead screwdriver, uh, bit driver, all that. So we started that, and since seven years ago almost, we have four different variants now. Our latest one is the Adventure Tool, which is. um, Basically, the 2.0 version. It's a little bit more of an upgraded option. It has an actual, like, uh, carabiner, uh, proprietary carabiner on it and, uh, an actual number two Phillips head screwdriver, uh, milled into it. And so, yeah. So that, that's kind of my, my day to day outside of being daddy daycare for our second or our, our two year old, our second daughter. That's, that's my number one job.
0: So I, that probably leads us to the next question I had for you is what are the, what are the biggest challenges for you and the work that you oh, do? Oh man, it sounds like that's one of them. Is just taking care of family and exactly, work, right? man.
1: It, well, that that's definitely one of them. You know, it's it's first job being a father and and not being distracted enough to where, um, you know, I, I get work in the way of, of family. You know, family's always first for me and always has been and always will be. And um, and so that's a huge struggle. Is is Struggling with having three different businesses, and we'll get to the third one here in a little bit, but um, struggling to do the work, family, time is a, is a big part of it. And having so many different irons in the fire and so many like, oh, there's an idea, who you know, and, and like keeping myself from, you know, pursuing too much. that That's a big struggle for me. Um, life is short.
0: I guess it's good to have options to, to go towards and see which ones are worthy of your investment of time and energy. And instead of not exactly. having any. <laughs> exactly, man. It's, you know, it's fun
1: to me. I think I would probably do a lot better if I would just stop uh, coming up with other ideas or whatever, and just focus on the ones that are right in front of me. That's definitely a big struggle, but you know, it could be a lot worse. You're right. It's if you had nothing else better to do, then that would definitely be way worse.
0: So, so what's business number three? You have alluded to so it already. So our third what's that? business,
1: um, this is, uh, it's called Bushcraft Coffee. Uh, a friend of ours, one of our original patrons uh, in our Bushcraft, Georgia Bushcraft community owned a coffee shop in Atlanta and would always come and make coffee for us at the gatherings. And uh, his name is Micah. He's now my business partner with Bushcraft Coffee. And his company is called Queen Bee Coffee. They're in uh, McDonough, Georgia. And so I, two or three years ago, I, I I love coffee, all right? I love coffee, but I'm, I want to say I'm a coffee snob because, but I also don't like terrible coffee. Like, unless I have to have the caffeine, like I I will opt out of drinking, you know, like instant coffee or something. Um, but if that's all I got, I, that's what I got. But I asked him one day, I was like, hey man, um, why can't we just make really good smooth coffee that I don't have to pack in cream or sugar or whatever? um when we're backpacking or in the woods why can't we just make good coffee and you know push it more towards the outdoor industry have it be a fair price because i mean you, you there are other coffees out there you know you, you could spend a lot of money on and uh and so we wanted to come up with something really smooth fair and that you could take everywhere without having to accessorize it you know so yeah so bushcraft coffee we we started the business uh january 2020 and that was a weird year. To start a business. New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. That was 2020. Was going to be an epic year. Just
0: right. that's what I
1: said. At least <laughs> but I didn't know this is it, that, man. This that is that our way. year. Already. Right. So oh, so pumped! Man. It was going to be awesome. But uh, but yeah, so we started Bushcraft Coffee in uh, January 2020, and but it's been doing great. We have a bunch of wholesale accounts, and uh, you, you know the conversations that you have over a campfire, drinking a cup of coffee you know, um, are the best. And so having the opportunity to be able to go to a lot of trade shows that I'm already going to with Griffin, but then now to bring coffee with it, like at blade show.
0: Yeah. That's where I met you. It, it, it's been a long time, but that I met you at blade show selling coffee. Cause here's the weird thing is I don't drink coffee. And I was like, I mean, it was one of them things. I just walked right by your booth. Cause I'm like, whatever, <laughs> I, I'm not a coffee guy. So yeah. That's funny man, but I'm jealous, but the people around my campfire are drinking your coffee, so yeah, I mean, awesome. Yeah, man.
1: you know, I I, I tell you why it's it's a lot harder to get away from drinking coffee when you are making and selling it, but um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Now, I do I, I think it'd be really cool to come out with some non caffeinated drinks that are still uh still good for the woods. You know, horse keppart. You know, uh, people like that they could drink a lot of hot chocolate.
0: Tease as well, man. I mean, that's another thing to have in there.
1: But anyway, so that, that's our, uh, that's our third business and, um, it seems to be doing pretty good and hopefully we leave it there with companies for, for at least now. So.
0: Gotcha. So one of the things I've always appreciated about the stuff you do and you, and I didn't know this until you mentioned it earlier, you have a background in graphic design. Your website is fantastic. I appreciate that, man. Easy to navigate, looks good. You know, the fonts and, and graphic design is fantastic. So you have a background in that. And you. So I'm assuming you do, do. all that
1: yep, work. Yep. So I don't know. I, having a graphically appealing thing is like one of my ADD things. It's like, it probably takes longer than it needs to, but I think, you know, first impressions are the only impression. And, you know, if you can have something that's easy to navigate, that looks good, you know, it's, it makes people feel like you're a little bit It's a little more professional maybe than you actually are. I don't know. Trying to figure out the right words for it. But I just I appreciate good graphically looking things. And uh, and so it's nice to be able to utilize something I actually went to college for. I never thought I would when I was working retail (laughs) for a long time. But um, but it definitely helps to be able to uh, be able to know how to do all that and and keep things a little more streamlined. So I
0: appreciate it. Well, and you don't have to pay somebody else to do it. Good gravy for somebody like me. For me to get somebody to do that, I don't know, man. Your site's looking
1: really good too. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of it.
0: Yeah, it's, uh but I paid for it too. You know, I mean, I paid somebody pretty good money to make it look good, and and hopefully we got a site where we, I can manage some of the little things here and there. But because yeah. man, I'm a woods guy. I'm not a technologically advanced guy at all in any stretch. But being small business, as you have already alluded to, I've got to wear a lot yep. of different hats and website development is one of them. Yeah, so that's cool. I, I, I
1: agree with that, man. And uh, it, it's just a good, it's another, you know, another tool and toolbox. you to know how to do. Um, so I'm definitely happy with them.
0: So you talked about all these courses and, and you've got classes, you've, you've got other folks that come down and teach. You want yeah, to talk absolutely. about those? And, and what, I'd, what I'd really like to get to, because I, I love hearing from, you've kind of stated that you're kind of new to that. Well, not new to it, but. You, you don't consider yourself a teacher of any sort and you're just taking courses and learning. And I'd love to get your perspective on some th- some of the things that you've learned, some of the teachers that are teaching there and, and what's going yeah, on. Down absolutely,
1: there. man. And so, I mean, I, I said this earlier and uh, I say this to a lot of people, I'm the worst bushcrafter. I mean, it's not that I don't. I, I love it. And but I love the community. I love facilitating opportunities for folks to uh come and learn and um and be able to promote themselves you know that that's what our platform's built on is um to be able to a brand that helps other brands grow and you know with all boats uh what, what is the the quote you know all boats rise rise together with tide so i mean that that's kind of where we're at and so hey
0: and i i don't want to interrupt you but i do um for our listeners that are used to me talking, I want to say that he's just not blowing smoke here. He really does. Casey does a really good job of, it. I don't want to commend you on that. Cause I think there's a there, cause I, I get to see a lot of the other side where there's isolation and some schools is their way is the only way. And there's no collaborative agreement to do anything and people don't come together. And I think that's one of the worst things that we can possibly all do. And I really appreciate the fact that you bring everybody together. Well, I appreciate that,
1: Craig, man, I, I really do. and. And it's been great, you know, having you on board and I'm really looking forward to uh, getting you with some classes this year. Um, but I, I don't know. I just Georgia Bushcraft to me is not and will never be a school. It's, it's just not what we do. I don't think, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room kind of thing. And you see a lot of these people that have these other schools and whatever. And they're, and they're very I don't know. It's like elitist. And, and there's not just one. There's a hundred of them. Nobody wants to work together. I just don't understand that. It's like it's a pride thing or I don't know what. Um, But why not take the opportunity and get as much information as possible? You know, you talk to people. You never know what you're going to get out of a conversation. And if we are regurgitating our own same things over and over and over again, it's like you're in an echo chamber. And if you're not willing to listen to other opinions, they don't always have to be right, the other opinions. But at least you listen to them. And you've filtered out the things that maybe you want to hear or need to hear kind of thing. Uh, and that's that's kind of what we do. And so we, we we work with other schools like yourself uh, and other individuals um,
0: throughout the year. Who are some of the other ones, if you don't care, to share with everybody who some of the yeah, other absolutely. ones are? Please. So,
1: um, so I'm sure you know, you know, Kelso, Bushcraft Kelso. Kelso is a good buddy of mine. And so recently we've done some classes last year, um, some kind of uh, intro Bushcraft 101 type classes, some fire-specific classes. Uh, another one, uh, his name is Jack Rule, Sixth Sense Survival. Jack's a good buddy of mine. He's really new to this industry or new to instructing uh, and really wants to get into it. But, you know, in the past, we've had a friend of ours, Jason Chapman. He's a, a trapper, so we've done different trapping classes. Uh, we've done blacksmithing classes uh, with different blacksmiths. You have a
0: forge set up there on the farm?
1: That's one thing we want to do is actually build a blacksmithing shop. Mark Hopper from Go- the Goat and Hammer. Uh, I don't know if you have ever met him. Um, Mark and Jess, they have a, a business called Goat and Hammer. They were on uh, Forge and Fire. They won something forever ago. Um, they're wonderful people. They've been teaching classes for us recently. Uh, originally, Stephen Fowler Fowler Blades, uh, he was our original blacksmith. And so for years, we've always had different blacksmiths coming through. And so one thing we're working on with Mark and Jess is building out a actual blacksmith area here on the property so that we can bring in other blacksmiths to teach different classes. Joe Wheelis of Wheelis Knives, he, uh, him and his wife, they're, they're awesome blacksmiths as well. And so we're, we're looking forward to you know, hosting them down down here on the property. Um, we've done different wilderness first aid and um, woofer classes here. So uh, just another example of cool, fun classes that are a little bit outside of like the regular bushcraft or outdoor w- world um, uh, was this astrophotography. So Dennis, he, he teaches these classes and there's so much really good information uh, that are, that's totally different than what you would normally expect. And so being able to see these, um, you know, celestial things, it's just a it's such a different change of pace from from what are the other classes we've offered. Um, and, and it's just a lot of fun because it's still within that umbrella of outdoor knowledge. And it's fun for everybody. I mean, it's, it's engaging for, for anybody who has ever wanted to see what a nebula looks like, like live, more or less live. I mean, I know it's like millions of years ago or whatever it is, but it's just something different. And, um, and another class that we, uh, we also hosted was a ham radio cram class. Uh, or
0: a ham cram. Yeah, we're big. We're big fans of ham here, man. We we have ham classes online, in person. This year, we're doing that, dude. We uh, it it's just a fact, man. Uh, we may have mentioned this before, but some people say every family should have a medic, and we're big fans of every family should have a ham operator in it, just for communication and disaster readiness, if nothing else.
1: Really. Absolutely. It's, it's a pretty common theme. You know, we all use cell phones for one reason is to communicate, use them all day, every day. And it's I mean, it's a pretty vulnerable technology, at least where we live. You know, it works. It doesn't work. Uh, we've been in situations where we had severe weather here in Atlanta, one of which was the big snow apocalypse uh, back five, six years ago. Anyway, so long story short, my wife was traveling, coming home from work and phone lines kept getting crossed. I mean, this is with Verizon or AT&T, whatever carrier we had. But I'd call her phone number and someone else would pick up because there's that many people on the lines. And, you know, it was five plus years ago. And I know technology changes, but it's still a possibility that you may not be able to get the people that you need to talk to on the other line. But if you have a communication plan set up, um, you're a step ahead of everybody else. And ham radio is a, a huge uh um it is a really big part of that. And so we, we did a ham cram. We worked with our local, um, our local ham group and we did the, the class. And then at the end of the three, four hour long class, we had the examination and, uh, Bill, which is one Bill McGee, which is one of the founding members of Georgia Bushcraft. Uh, he's now a general, um, uh, as a general, license. I'm just a, a tech technician, but, um, so now he's able to administer the test for, for at least the entry level license, it's just a really neat thing to learn. And if you never do anything with it, um, you at least took the class, got the license. It's not as hard as you think because I've wanted to have my ham radio operator's license for a long, long time. And I always thought it was a really difficult thing and it really wasn't. If you can regurgitate some questions, you know, it's it's not hard. But but that's just another example of a class that we've hosted out here on the property. Some of our plans coming up for this year is we want to start doing more um, smaller weekend You know, or uh, single day classes Uh, last year, for instance, um, Darren and Sarah Cook, they are world renowned slingshot uh, people. (laughs) He's he's like a slingshot master, him and his wife. And like they've competed in world tournaments and things in Italy and and so on. Anyway, so we did a Saturday workshop was a class on basically come out and learn how to make your own slingshot. It was great for all ages. We had kids signed up and we had adults signed up. That's
0: <laughs> cool as heck, man. It was
1: awesome, man. And and they're they're wonderful people and they're great instructors. And it, it taught everybody how to make it, you know, what, what how to apply the bands and then how to shoot. And there's so many different practical applications of a slingshot, you know. Um, you know, we've done flint napping classes. Justin Cook with Wayback Wilderness. He's taught uh, several... Um, primitive weaponry and, um, flint napping classes with us in the past, uh, basket making classes with Carly Fairchild list goes on Craig. Uh, if I can get if I get Craig to come down and hang out with us, we're going to do some, uh, some awesome, uh, nature reliance
0: classes here on the property. I wanted to be there so bad last year. I was in the hospital when I was supposed to be in Georgia and I would have much rather have been in Georgia leading a class. That's for sure. So no, yeah, I, we're I, back ready to rock. Go. We'll be back down there this year.
1: Dude, absolutely. There's there's plenty of time. This year is gonna be it's gonna be an awesome year. I'm looking to have more, you know, wild edible and medicinal classes. Uh Mark Merriweather.
0: I interviewed him yesterday as well. Really?
1: Man, awesome. I'll tell you what, dude,
0: that cat. He went yep, he was down the rabbit hole. He is the funk daddy when it comes to that stuff, man. And I and I I'm an edible medicinal plants guy myself, like on a really low level compared to him, right? And so all these geeky, nerdy questions that I've been having for years, he's the guy that has the answer. And he loves it, man. Yeah, oh man, he's so good. And he's a good communicator, too, which is... He
1: is. He, he's a really cool guy. And I, I'm, I was really honored to have the opportunity to have him out at the gathering and teaching classes on that. and um, So maybe we can get him to come down this year. So anyway, so, so outside of our gathering and trade weekend, we do classes on the property on the weekend. Uh it may be a Saturday class or it may be a full weekend long class like we're gonna do with Craig. Um but but anything this as long as it's a cool fun topic that people want to learn, you know, I, I'd really like to go down the more of the topic of like homesteading um and talking about animal husbandry and or gardening or canning or
0: making candles. I don't know, whatever Man, it is. Man, we got it we had a class the other day, Casey, where um see I grew up raising cattle and raising hogs oh, and we slaughtered our own hogs and took them from, you know, babies to the freezer kind of thing. That's awesome. And we got, I just didn't realize that's just one of the things I grew up doing. I'm Appalachia, Kentucky country, rural farm boy kind of thing. And we got a conversation started around one of our campfires and man, it lasted for a couple of hours. It was just one of those things I was like, wow, you know, that's something that people were just incredibly interested in. Yeah. That a lot of people just, you know, the majority, the vast majority of people have zero experience with that. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a great topic too, man. That's good stuff.
1: I think it's good for more people to learn this kind of stuff, you know, like our, my, at least my grandparents, that generation, um, and I'm sure yours is, is further back too. Uh, everybody had a garden. A lot of people kept chickens. That was a pretty standard thing to do is to have you oh, know. I can
0: see you all raising chickens out there pretty quick. Like,
1: yeah, I love me some chickens, man. Dude,
0: that's a yeah. nice place you got there. Oh, man. You can do a lot of stuff right there as far as animals are concerned. That'd be, yeah.
1: I recently started looking into like raising uh, cattle, raising beef, because um, I've never done this before, but I've always been interested in, in going in with somebody else and maybe buying a cow, you know, for the meat purposes from, from a farmer and have them have it slaughtered and then i asked a, a neighbor of ours that does that how, how much does that cost and i forget what it was it was like half a cow was maybe fifteen hundred dollars or something something crazy like that and it blew my mind like half a cow is that you know it's still 300 pounds worth of meat or whatever it was um i'm like i see all of my neighbors all these people that have dozens or hundreds of cows and i see the value in that and that's your food, you know, or somebody else's if you sell it and, and make the profit on it. Um, but that's something that so many people do. And I feel like I'm kind of in this world, in this realm a little bit, and I knew nothing about that. And so that that really interests me. And, um, and I think it interests a lot of our group, too. So we want to start incorporating more classes like that here.
0: So two final questions I ask of everybody. Uh, the big one is, what's the funniest moment you've ever had in the outdoors? belly laughing, crying. Man, this is funny. Uh, If if you can share it.
1: Oh, I can share it. Yeah. There (laughs) are, there are a lot. And that, that's the hard part. And really none of them were funny to start with, but why they're funny now is because we all survived. No one got hurt. You know what I mean? And and that's why I say they're funny, but they were terrifying in the middle of it. And I'll start with one. This happened and, and I'm, I'm going to take the brunt of this one because it was definitely my fault. But this is a typical mistake that could have been really bad. Um, So pandemic starts, all right, um, 2020. And so what does everybody do at that point that wants to get outside? They go camping. And so we went up to our local state, uh, one of our favorite state parks here in Georgia. And so we have this thing called the Griffin trailer. So uh, we go to different trade shows. I, I converted this old police radar trailer into a camping trailer we have a rooftop tent on it um and inside of it you know has drawer systems and has all of our camping gear and it's all in one place it's got a battery system 18 gallons of water all that jazz and so we've taken this thing all over the country we've camped in this hundreds of times okay and uh usually um it's either attached to my vehicle um or i applied the stands that i am you know installed on this (laughs) so um so we get to our campsite and then uh we unpack and everything and we're like well i forgot something at the store so we go run out to the grocery store and come back and um i didn't reattach it to the vehicle first mistake second mistake so it it, it has its own you know like the jack that that lowers it up and down you know wheel on it and don't want yep that's a tongue jack so um so it left on that and really just wasn't paying attention and um Happened to be a really windy night and where this campsite is, it's on one of the taller mountains in Georgia. So we made it all the way through the night. And so I have my wife and our two daughters and our two dogs are all up in the rooftop tent and it's super jam packed. And so I'm like, I'll, I'll hang my hammock. So I've got a war on hammock. And so, you know, it, you're enclosed, zippered in and everything. And I had it hanging from the front part of the trailer, you know, cause there's a roof rack that holds a rooftop tent and then over to like the, the lantern post and so about 4 a.m. is rolling in and all of a sudden the wind picks up significantly and my world drops out. Literally, I, I go from dead sleep to smacking the ground and listening to as terrifying terrifying, and, and terrible as it is to say. And it was not funny at that point. It was terrifying. Uh, the screams of my like children and wife like, ah! So the, the, the tent... Literally, there or the trailer went tongue up, tip oh, all the way gosh. back and landed on the butt end of the trailer. Oh, I mean, now, it's not gosh. a huge trailer, it's, it's a very small, it's maybe like a five foot wide by six or seven foot wide cube on wheels. And uh, but with the rooftop tent on top of it, you know, with the ladder that comes down that holds it, you know, opens all the way up. And so I wake up to the smashing of the ground. And then these slow, and uh, and so like we at that time we had a one year old and a five year old, and so luckily everybody was totally fine. And uh, I mean, I was about a, a second away from just taking my knife and cutting into the tent to rip and get them out of there. Luckily, I you know everybody was fine. I could hear that we're okay, and so I unzipped and got them out. It was a uncomfortable <laughs> uh, next few hours. So this trailer, I mean, you got to remember, it, it's got uh, big batteries on the front part of it on the tongue. I've got a battery box and, and like I said, 18 gallons of water and all our gear. And so I could not get this t- trailer to tip back over. So And I didn't have really any any sort of like ratchet, any uh, toe straps or anything. And so this is 4 a.m., still dark. And if we got everybody in the car and it was terrible. And so I had to wait. Two, three hours for everybody else around the campsites to wake up. So I tucked my tail, went and, and found some other folks to help me, you know, pull it down. And it was it's funny now. Um, sure, I
0: understand why you're saying that now. It was, yeah. It, it not at the time. Not at the time. I'm not keeping that
1: anymore. And the trailer's new name is
0: Tippy. So <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> she can laugh at it now. Man.
1: Oh yeah, man. It's 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 a good story of what not to do. Um, but it it was just one of those things, you know, I just, we got back late and didn't reattach it like we normally would do and, um, and just went to bed and then boom like that. So, uh, kids, make sure you always reattach your camper if you're camping on top, (laughs) you know, So is this also
0: question number two here was, is this also the most humbling moment or is there another one,
1: man? Uh, that that was a humbling moment. Right. You know, I, I would say off the tip of my uh, tongue, probably the most like happy moment in the outdoors for me was uh, actually during one of our classes we had with uh, Kelso, um, Bushcraft Kelso. This was back in the summer. <laughs> in July, we did a fire starting class in Georgia. So as you imagine, that was uh, not uh, very popular. So we had a handful of folks still show up to class and it was good. And one of the cool parts was my brother, my older brother, and his uh, four kids came out and took the class too. Um, and uh, and so they are not that much into the outdoors, but they're really trying to be They're They're part of the scouts group and everything like that. Anyways, and so the humbling, most humbling moment that I can think of, uh, and there's a photo out there. And you can look on Kelso's page for this photo. It's of my brother. My brother is seven, seven or eight years older than I am. Forty-something years old, and uh, he got his first bow drill fire. I mean, he's sweating his butt off. It's July; it's miserable, and he is busting his butt into doing it. And 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 Kelso is not letting him give up either. <laughs> like like my nephews, or we're all like, I'm, we're done, but
0: we're going somewhere else.
1: Exactly, man. And and you have to see this photo because it's a thousand words in one photo. It, it's, it's just like that face of sheer exhaustion, but like. I did it. Like, Oh my gosh! I and, and I just happened to capture that moment right there on camera. And it was really cool for me because it was, it was exciting for my brother and he was super excited about it. But seeing Kelso, this, he has never really taught classes until this year. We've been trying to push him into that role because he's a great guy. he's full of a ton of wonderful information. And to see him with my brother in this photo, like, working towards this goal of getting this, you know, this, this, uh, perimeter fire this bow drill. Um, that was probably one of the most humbling moments of anything in this, in this Georgia bushcraft realm, anything to do with the outdoors. So I, I was really excited to, to be there and witness that for both of them. That was, that was a pretty cool thing for me. I said lots of other stories, but we'll, we'll save those for next time.
0: All right. That sounds good. And this has been good. Thank you so much. Uh, and I appreciate your patience with my, uh, Non adeptness with technology. But man, this has been great. Thank you for sharing everything you did about Georgia Bushcraft. And for everybody listening, don't forget look in the description below. There's clickable links there. You can go right to this stuff that Casey and I have been talking about. So appreciate it, man.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Craig. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here. I've listened to your podcast for a long time. Uh, you do a really good job with this. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm honored to have the ability to be on here. So uh, maybe one of these days, if we get our uh, acting gear, maybe we'll get a podcast going. You can come come chat with all right him.
0: i'll come back onto that i'll come onto that one with you too
1: stay tuned man it's gonna be a good year so check us out georgia bushcraft.com uh, or on instagram or facebook and uh, a lot of really exciting things happening at georgia bushcraft this year so thank you again awesome. Craig.
0: yeah ma'am thanks everybody for listening this is craig coddle director of nature blind school come on join in let's learn together